Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today. We appreciate the time that you take out of your busy life to be able to up-level yourself and spend some time with us as we bring to you some amazing best-selling authors who have within things that they do with grace and ease some really powerful suggestions to help you be able to live a better life. And ultimately, as we live a better life, we end up having a better business. It just works that way. Um, you know, if things are tumultuous and in chaos at home, uh, you can experience some success for a while uh, in your business, but long-term it will catch up with you. The things that you don't deal with, that you let slide, um, those kind of things will be something that will keep jumping up on you basically until such a time as you actually take the time to really dig into them and you know and get it fixed. Um, it's not fun always. Sometimes it is. I mean, sometimes the breakthrough is worth the struggle to having gotten through. Just like um, a good friend of mine, CC, uh, CC president, she said the other day, she said, you know, yeah, it's a lot of fun to gain a lot of weight, to eat anything you want to. But it isn't so much fun living with the overweight, with the being unhealthy. And that's really true. You know, I mean, for those of us who struggle with our weight, um, you know, eating decadent food, eating things that taste delicious, that's a lot of fun. Exercising, taking good care of ourselves, um, you know, all of those kind of things, they're not nearly as much fun, really. But the things that we deal with because we didn't eat right, we didn't exercise, um, for a short period of time, sometimes even for a long period of time, uh, life can seem like it's pretty good, but those things catch up with you. Medical issues, uh, joint pain, um, you know, just a quality of life that isn't the quality of life you want. And that's just one example, you know, I mean, obviously relational problems at home will begin to show up in every other aspect of your life. And so it's good for us to take this time to really focus on that inner game. And today we really wanna focus on the insides of you. Those things that lay in there quietly, but if not addressed can be a real problem. But here's the cool part about it. And this is not a down episode, this is not a dive into some of the deeper ick of your life kind of episode, but more, I've got a couple of really amazing best-selling authors that are going to be sharing with you secrets to living a life of joy. Now, joy is a, 
a fun word. It's an interesting word because originally when we think joy, we tend to think happiness or giddiness or those kind of things. But joy is a deeper, more permanent, more permeating even kind of a, an effect because when we really truly have joy, things do come up that aren't good, that you can't have a great big smile on your face, not a real one anyway, um, you know, and be happy, but you can still have within you a joyfulness. And um, I'm not the expert in that, but I do happen to have a couple of amazing best-selling authors that are gonna talk to you today about, regardless of circumstances, in good times and in bad, how to live in joy and how to really search for joyful life as opposed to just looking for that next happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Um, just like there's only a certain amount of time that you can laugh. Um, have you ever have you ever experienced that? You know, where somebody laughs just a little bit longer than really is comfortable? You know what that's like. And it's like, you know, somehow, as funny as the joke was, that person laughing too long just diminished it, just a little bit, not a lot. It doesn't make it a bad joke necessarily, but it, it just isn't as good because of the fact that, um, you know, that you just didn't really have an appropriate response to that. And that's the biggest problem with happiness is, is that happy, bubbly, upness isn't always the appropriate response to things, but calm, inner peace and joy is something that is always appropriate, can always be a part of the way that we show up in the world. And I really hope that you'll grab a pen and paper and that you'll really set yourself aside some time today to do the inner work. Because when the stuff in here, when it works right, it affects all of the other things out there. Um, you know, there's an old phrase I love, Sid Baum, and I remember the first time he said it, it, it stuck with me ever since. His phrase was, control what you can and don't worry about what you can't control. And, you know, that is just so important because so to, all too often we try to control all of the things, especially all of the people around us. Anybody else guilty of that other than me? Yeah, I know how it goes too. I, I get it. Um, but you can't really control the people around you. You can make suggestions. You can help the people around you. You can be a good example to the people around you. But ultimately, just like you have 100% ability to make any choice you want to. Some of them are hard. Some of them may even be a choice you've never made before. But that doesn't mean that you don't have the right or the ability to do it. it just simply means that you may be exercising a muscle that you've literally never used before. And you may have had a lifestyle that's told you that that isn't real and that it doesn't exist. But it is. But ultimately, the only person who can make that choice, do that work, 
and make that change as you, for you. It'd be nice sometimes, I think, maybe, if we had a magic wand and we could go around and, and just drastically change the people around us. I know we've all wished that a situation that we could impact, not just the situation, but literally make the person in the situation different. And we all know from experience that in the end, that isn't really real, that we may try, but it really isn't even good for us psychologically to, um, to extend our efforts in trying to change somebody else because ultimately we can't because each of us has the power of free will, free choice. And in that freedom of choice, each of us chooses who we're gonna be. Now, this is gonna challenge some of you because we have to understand that some of the things that are awful in our life, we may not have done them, but we have the choice now what we do after them. And I know because I've been in enough counseling situations where, you know, there are circumstances where for a while we were as a child, um, in, you know, in other types of situations in a place where it was nearly impossible or potentially impossible to remove ourselves from that situation. But I also know that there are enough recorded incidents of people who in the midst of the worst circumstances, they chose joy. And so that's what we're gonna work on. That's what we wanna to learn today is how to choose joy. That way we can all come together and we can live as thriving entrepreneurs. Don't go right. We will be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. Today, we are gonna focus on joy, on making the choices to do the things that only we can do so that we can live a life of joy. All right, so let's talk about joy. I mean, a lot of times people think about happy and giddiness, but I think joy is so much more impactful and a lot better of a thing for us to really get to. To help us with that, today I'm joined by international best-selling author, Mariel Patricia, and she's talking about her great book, GPS to Joy, 
navigate life's turbulence and toughest transitions to find your new direction. Hi, Mariel. How are you doing today? Hey, Steve. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you and what led you to the point where you were ready to write the book. Well, really, in short, over the course of four years, uh, my life had nine major losses in it. So I, re I endured and dealt with nine major losses in a short period of time. And that included losing my husband. And we, were, we had a great life. We were very close. We had a lot of fun and laughter and friends. And so before he died, and that was, that was really one of the biggest losses of all for me, before he died, and he, he died of brain cancer in September of 2017, and he couldn't talk for a few months. So a few days before he died, I could see that he was worried about how I would do without him, because, you know, because we depended on each other. And so I looked at him, and I said, honey, I promise you, to honor you and to honor us, I will have the most amazing life that I can muster in your honor to celebrate life. And I have no idea how I will do it, but that's what, that's what I'm gonna do. And you can count on me for that. And I wanted to leave him with that. So he really wouldn't worry. He could really just pass in peace. Uh, so that is what started my journey for how do I find joy again, you know, with all these transitions, these big, tough transitions and these losses, how does a person find joy and how do we not just crumple up in a corner and just, you know, and then call it a day and say, hey, you know what, life's been good, I'm, I'm done, I'll just wait for my time. So I really had to find uh, a reason why. And so the question I ask myself every day is, well, what would bring me joy today? And every choice and every day came from what would bring me joy today. And, you know, joy has contrast, right? Happiness is happiness. But joy actually embodies that which can touch us so deeply and um, make us feel alive. And it can also be fraught with just despair and sadness. So joy has two sides to it. So every day, sometimes I would have a day of despair and then most of the days I would choose joy uh, to move my life forward. And, and that is, it's that simple. It was like a promise I made to my husband and I was gonna keep that promise and I didn't know how, but that would be my driving force and it would be from what brought me joy now since everything that I had my life based on all the roles that I had uh, and the plans that we had, they were gone, right? My mother died, my father died, my husband passed and my daughter was off to college. So my role as a mom, gone in the same way. She wasn't little anymore. My role as a wife, gone. My role as a daughter and caregiver, gone. So I really had a blank slate and it was the most terrifying moment, but it was a very freeing moment. And that is how joy started for me. That's amazing. So talk to us about your book. Um, what creates our GPS to joy? Well, so GPS is an acronym 
And G stands for grounded in gratitude. P stands for plot new coordinates. And S stands for set to soar. So what I have discovered is we all can find a reason that can source us moving forward. And for me, I said, why not have joy be the thing that drives us forward? And what joy was for us a year ago or 10 years ago or, or 20 years ago is different today. And so our coordinates for our life toward joy today have to be uncovered. They have to be discovered is what I, you know, is what I found. And so the GPS to joy is something that we unfold. And when I say plot new coordinates, you know, being a wife was one of my coordinates, right? And enjoying my marriage. Well, that has shifted. So I've had to pick a new coordinate on intimacy. What does intimacy look like now in my life? And what is living a meaningful life look like now? And so it's a, it's a discovery and uh, it's something that I now teach people how to do is it through the, I created a joy activation process. So as we activate our joy and we begin to connect to what brings us joy now, we can actually begin to make choices on moving our life forward. And that becomes our GPS, right? And so it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a discovery and it literally allows us to find our new direction when we get, when we can identify and articulate what brings us joy now and what makes our life fulfilling now. So that is a little bit about how you discover your own GPS in my world. That's good stuff. So you have a five-step joy activation process. And of course, for people to get all of it, they need to either work with you or get the book. But give us an idea of one of the steps in the joy activation process. Sure. So the third step is act. Action. So we look at now actions versus new actions. And it's a lot of fun to look at this because whatever challenge we're facing, which is the first step, what's the challenge you're facing and what do you want instead of what you have? We get to look at the actions that we're engaging in and we get to connect the dots that that action we're engaging in is really giving us what we have now. So if we want something new, and we want to turn that challenge into a new opportunity, we get to then identify new actions that we could take. And that's a lot of fun to explore with that because there isn't a right answer. It's really, uh, really a way to get unstuck, you know, because when we go through these transitions and we're on the other side of them, oftentimes we feel like we're in a fog. We don't know. We don't know where to go. We don't know why. And, um, and we're stuck. So the third step is a great way to begin to discover how we can move forward and get unstuck. And I, I love that. And because uh, it's really, it really does get us freed up and get us bigger than our sadness or our fogginess or our, you know, or our struggle. And um, that, so that's, that's step three. That's awesome. So, um, you know, I think joy, can be so simple, but often we fight it 
what would you say is the biggest resistance you find to people really embracing living a joyful life? Well, I think we all have a default kind of trigger that has us, um, that has us automatically suffer. And, and we don't even know it, you know, but something happens and then we have a complaint or we feel blah and, you know, we, we can suffer something. And, you know, being sad is one thing and then suffering on top of it is a whole other layer, right? So um, I say that we can interrupt this habit. It's a habit, this default way of operating. And we can choose something other than suffering. And if we are willing to look at what has us suffer and we are willing to allow for something other than suffering, then whole new ways of seeing things and a whole new context can emerge, including that I want to experience joy and it can be in the moment and it can be, you know, as a, a way of life. And uh, remember, joy has the contrast. It has all of it in it the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, but suffering is something that we can interrupt. And so that's, that's, what I've, that's what I've discovered about after having had nine losses, including my, my parents dying and my husband dying and all those transitions and losses, I discovered even when things are hard, I can suffer or I can minimize suffering, suffer less and I can choose to find joy and find um, something other than the suffering in, in life. And uh, it's way more fun. And for me, that's as simple as a cup of hot chocolate. I swear, I'm having a bad day. And it's like, all right, hot chocolate it is. And I have that hot chocolate and it literally interrupts my brain pattern and it gives me a spark of joy. All right, let's all go have a cup of hot chocolate. That actually sounds really good. <laughs> Cause it's so cold down here in Southern California again today. <laughs> It is a bit chilly. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I know. It's yeah, like we all moved to Oregon without knowing. <laughs> oh God, that's funny. Yeah, you may be right. It's been weird weather. Yeah. So, I love uh, that you keep referring to joy being something that you can choose. Um, can you talk in a little bit more detail about how you can intentionally choose joy? Sure. So... I'll tell you a story, all right? And, um, I, and I think this will tell you, uh, give you an idea. So when, my, when it was the last days of my husband's life, he was very sad. And um, I looked at him because he couldn't talk, right? And he was, a, he was very smart, very kind, very beloved. And he felt like a loser. And it wasn't his fault, uh, obviously. It was, the, it was the cancer. But I said to him, do you not know who you are for people? Do you not know? And he shook his head, no. And I said, well, what about a loving father? And what about a committed husband? So I said things to him that he knew he could, I knew he couldn't say no to. And so here we are in a tough situation. It's very distressful and could be full of despair. But I said, you know what? Let, how do we bring joy to the situation? How can I lighten his heart? And so every time we get a visitor, I would ask him, so tell me about David. Tell me what it is that he did that made you laugh or surprised you or, you know, what miracle 
you experienced with him as, as a healer, as a physician, because that's what he was an infectious disease doctor. And everybody would come in and they would be happy to share the stories, right? That were fun and we laughed and we cried. And I captured all of those stories. And every time they would leave the room, I would say, all right, let's go through this. Now, let me tell you who you are. And I would read all of these things. We had 165 comments that I would read to him. And I would read three or four times a day. So he could be filled with who he is and lighten, light, lighten up his burden. And that, as hard as that was, it brought so much joy to him and to everybody and uh, to me. And so it was a tough moment, but I was just like, well, here's what's left. Here's what I have now. I'm not gonna focus on what I don't have. I'm gonna focus on what I do have. And what I have is him with me now and I can fill his heart and I can be filled too. So that's kind of a long story, but there's an example where I chose joy in a tough situation. That's a very good story. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Because um, I know we all go through difficult times, but it's a matter of can we go through them and come to a good place. And I like that you've gotten there and you're sharing that with us. Thank you. Yeah. So a joy really can be a choice. And uh, we can have a bad day and we can still say, well, I'm going to choose to go smell a flower right now. You know, I'm going to choose to interrupt this. I'm, I'm refuse to stay steeped in my upset. Or I'm going to be upset and I'm going to hang here for a while and I'm going to freaking eat bonbons. And you know what? And give myself a half an hour and then I'm going to move forward and come out of it and look for what I can be grateful for right now. So there's, you know, choosing joy can find its way through, through connecting with others, through gratitude, through appreciation through just saying, well, this is part of being alive and I am freaking alive and I know it's tough, but I'm alive and I'm going to have joy that I'm alive to, you know, to be in this world. So those are some of the different ways one can do that. The book is called GPS to Joy, Navigate Life's Turbulence and Toughest Transitions to Find Your New Direction, written by Mariel Patricia. It is an international bestseller, and as you can hear, it is a powerful book to help you choose joy in your life. Marielle, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the radio show today. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been, this has been a joy, you know, uh, to speak with you on this subject. It's, yeah, it is one of my favorite subjects, so thank you. Do you have a GPS to your joy? I hope you do, and if, if you don't, I hope that you will find the time and find the resources to help you build your own inner GPS to joy. And if you wanna work further with Mariel, her link is on our website um, right along with this show, and I know that she would love to be able to help you find that inner joy in your life. We're going to take another break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? 
over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for listening today as we go deep and we really dig out those things within our soul that help us live really amazing, thriving lives because we embrace that we are meant for joy. Did you know that your soul has an agenda? Well, if you didn't, you need to find out and More importantly, even if you did, we really need to be in tune with the agenda that our soul has. So to help us with that today, we're joined by Annie Anderson, and she's going to talk to us today about how to find your soul's agenda. Hi, Annie. How are you today? I'm great, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's talk a little bit about you first. Tell us who you are and... What led you to the point to have this information? Sure. Well, I'm Ani Anderson, and I'm the CEO of a personal development company called New Health. And about, mm, gosh, I guess it was eight years ago now, I had been working as an occupational therapist who was doing holistic kinds of rehabilitation with people. And so I was in this kind of personal development, health and healing field for a number of years, I want to say about 12 years, before my own life kind of fell apart. And the irony, as life would have it, is that my specialty was really working with people who had gone to doctors and therapists and things like that, and no one could figure out what was wrong with them. When no one could figure out what was wrong with a person, they'd send them to me. (laughs) And so my own life fell apart, and uh, I had some personal trials and tribulations, and boy, I felt broken, and I felt like I needed help, and I just couldn't find someone to be that person for me. And so I needed to begin my own personal exploration, which I did. I started taking purpose courses, trying to figure out who I was. I found life coaching. And the things that I do now in my business are well informed by what I did before, but really now are about helping people to define their purpose, find their mission, and live the life that was meant for them. So that's a little bit how I got there. So finding our soul's agenda, in fact, the subtitle is the one word that will make your whole life a success. That's a pretty big promise. So how can we make our whole life a success? (laughs) Well, when I was searching for my purpose, I took a number of different purpose courses and I took a number of different personality type assessments and I kept landing on 
similar results, but this person that the results were describing was a person who I was very certain I was not. And so I was wondering, you know, how on earth they were trying to figure this, they, they were figuring these things out about me, but it was so far off base from who I was. And so, you know, one day I was thinking, I mean, I pondered this a lot, but one day I was thinking and that symbol of the yin yang popped into my head, that white and black symbol popped into my head. And I thought about it for a moment and I thought, that's it. That's what I've been missing here. It's that, that notion that life is created as a whole, that as Buddha says, we're always on purpose. Buddha says our purpose is to live our purpose. You know, what, what the heck does that mean? So if, if that's the case, we must always be on purpose. And I thought to myself, son of a gun, this is, this is what's going on with me here. It's that the results are pointing at let's say the white aspect of that yin yang symbol, but I'm living in the black. And so I can't quite see that white side because I'm living in the black. And it really started to help me put my whole life into perspective in a, in a brand new way that maybe my purpose isn't to always feel happy and, and joyful all the time. Maybe my purpose is to live all of life, but that that way seems to show up in a very distinct way, most often for me, when I feel like I want to feel, it feels a certain way. And when I don't love how I'm feeling, it tends to show up in that way, in a very certain way. There's actually one word when we get down to it that can be used to describe, shall we say, our circle, our wholeness. And like when we're looking at that yin yang symbol, it's that circle that surrounds the white and the black. There's one word that can describe the flavor of how my life shows up most often for me in the light aspects and in the challenging aspects. And there would be a different word for you and for everybody. Each person has their own word. When we know that, Oh my gosh, Steve, the whole wor world can open up to us because we really can be successful in whatever it is that we choose. When we know this information about ourselves, when we know how life shows up for us most often. Okay, so I, like everybody else is saying right now, What's okay, my tell word? me my word. <laughs> That's right. That's what everybody wants to know. What's my word? And I'd love to tell you, but it really takes about 90 minutes um, to do that. So I can describe the exercise that we go through, if that would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Take us through it. I'll be okay, the great. victim. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing that we do is we um, you know, get out a piece of paper and you write down three of your very best memories from three different aspects of life, from your childhood, from your personal life, and from your professional life. It's important to look at those three aspects, and it's also really important to look at not the happiest memory, but the best memory. And I say that because a lot of times when I do this process with people, they will describe divorces and they'll describe deaths and things like that, that we wouldn't necessarily consider the happiest memory, but it has been one of the best memories. It sticks with them. It's important for some reason. So you write down your memories in those three aspects of life. And then what you do is you get on another piece of paper or on the back or on the side, you, you go through each of those memories and you say to yourself, what did this memory make me feel like? How did I feel when this was happening? And you 
create a very long list, hopefully, of felt quality words or short phrases associated with these memories. Now, what's interesting is you might notice that some of these words show up over and over again. You might have listed empowerment 20 times. You might list bliss 10 times. Uh, that's not the frequency, actually, that shows you what your soul agenda word is going to be. What you do is you look through that list and you take the words two by two. And you, it's, this is a really intuitive process. You say to yourself, is it word A or word B that's my soul agenda? And you really go with whatever your gut kind of says on this. You go with your gut instinct and your intuition. And you begin to cross off. We call it the elimination round. You begin to cross off some of those words or short phrases until you're left, hopefully, with one word. Some people have two or three and I can describe different ways to work with that. But for right now, we'll go with the fact that you went through the elimination round and you got down to that one word. That is your soul agenda word, but it's not done yet. The next thing that you do is you go to the dictionary and you go to the thesaurus and you look up what that word means in the dictionary and thesaurus. And it's interesting because you'll probably find that it doesn't mean exactly what it means to you, but it's good to know what other people in society think this word means. It's really important actually. And so the, the next thing that you do is you define that word for yourself. You come up with your definition of what that word means, thinking about your memories, thinking about the best moments of your life, and you write down what that word means to you. So that's your soul agenda definition. The next thing that you do is you write down what it feels like in your life when you're experiencing life in the opposite of that wonderful feeling that you just wrote down. And I usually do this in a bullet point list. So we write down some bullet points about, well, when I feel the opposite of that, this is what I feel like. And so you have a bulleted list of what we call the polarity. So again, back to that yin-yang. Now you've got the white side, you've got the black side. And the very last thing that we do is we help people to come up with a soul agenda statement. Uh, the reason that this is important is because the soul agenda statement helps you to have a decision-making compass for every decision you're going to make in your life. So you can always bring and base every decision that you're making back to who I am at the core. And so usually a kind of a generic soul agenda statement will sound something like, my soul agenda is to feel, then you input your word, and inspire others to feel the same. So my word is alive. So I would put in there, my soul's agenda is to feel alive and to help others feel the same. So that's a kind of a quick run through of everything that goes into the soul agenda process and what you come out on the other side with. Okay, I was taking notes so that um, I can go through the whole process. Awesome. You know, unfortunately, we didn't have the whole 90 minutes for the show. Which is only an hour long show to be able to do that. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some elements of this. Um, you said three best memories, not happiest memories. So mm -hmm. um, I, I want to talk in a little more detail about that. What is the difference between your three happiest memories and your three best memories? I think the difference really comes down to language. As I am going about my day and I'm doing interviews and I'm uh, talking with people in the personal development industry, this is a topic we get on a lot. What does the word happy even mean? I try in my language not even really to use the word happy as kind of a, oh, geez, 
kind of this throwaway term that people use all the time. I try to be very, very intentional with my language. To me, happy is something that's kind of a fleeting, momentary thing. Uh, I spend five minutes snuggling on the couch with my son, and that makes me feel happy. I'm happy in the moment. But for me, in the way that I define these words, joy is a feeling that it can be more of a state of uh, a perpetual state. So happiness to me more is a fleeting moment. Joy is more of a perpetual state. The reason that I don't use the word happy is I think people, when I've done these kinds of processes with people, it's been my experience that people get really confused about what happy means. And so they're looking to be happy all the time. I believe, based on my word definitions, that you can be joyful all the time, but a perpetual state of happy is, in, by my definition, unattainable because it's this momentary thing. And other things are going to happen in life. We're going to have loss and we're going to feel sad and we're going to uh, have something happen and feel anger for a moment. I'm a big proponent in having really clear language around emotions. And so that's why I use the word best. Uh, it's also, as I've done this process now with hundreds of people, I've noticed the, the meaning of a person's life cannot be summed up in a word as simple as happy. A meaningful life is so rich and complex. And so to say the best helps to stimulate a person to think what's been meaningful for them in a way that the word happy just can't. Okay, that makes sense. I got that. Um, what about, you know, because life has that way of kind of taking us from somewhere to someplace else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what about for those of us who have gone through or maybe are still in um, an element of our life where, um, you know, we're just not the person we used to be. We used to be a happy, joyful person and now we're not, or that kind of thing. How, um, how much more difficult is it to get to the real words when the person is real down on themselves? Yeah, it's actually not. It, it's actually sometimes more difficult when a person's really going through an upswing. Uh, when a person's going through a downswing, it's actually really easy to come up with our words and definitions in this philosophy of what purpose means because we're defining purpose as a whole and so you, you get to see very quickly oh my gosh that is how i used to feel but i'm not anymore and the beauty of this process as i've gotten to watch it now with a number of folks who are in the place that you describe is that we get to see our growth in a really profound way. So even this one word, like I'm imagining um, a client who I worked with whose word is value. He has stories to relate from when he was young, uh, six, seven, about the word value and how it played into his life. And then he went through the ups and downs of, I mean, you could relate story upon story throughout his life about value. Now he's in his 60s and he's redefining himself. He retired. He's starting a new um He's not retiring, but starting a new uh, entrepreneurial adventure. And he is redefining again what that word means to him and what he wants to step into now. And so it's not any harder. If anything, it's, it's easier uh, to find words when we're in those, like we say, polarity or, or dark aspects of life. And the direction that it can provide us is really profound. 
So um, you talked about after we come up with the definition, both our own as well as what the real world's definition of it is, is what if, or rather, what did you feel when you were in the opposite of that word? Um, can you talk in a little more detail about that? For me? Yeah, or Person, you know, as an example. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. I'm happy to. Um, so in my soul agenda word is to feel alive. And when I feel in the polarity of that, I actually feel kind of numb. Um, so my definition of, of alive really has two different aspects to it. One is intense presence in the moment, just being super present in the moment. And the other is about feeling fully expressed. And so I actually, when I feel different emotions like sadness or anger or happiness, I feel like I'm like really in the light aspect, which sounds kind of funny, but it's true of my soul agenda because even when I'm angry, I kind of enjoy being angry. And even when I'm really sad, I enjoy being sad. And I've gotten to the place where I can allow myself to really experience those emotions and enjoy them no matter what, because I'm in that full expression and I'm really present. My polarity, the, the way that I don't love to feel most often but shows up for me is either feeling like I'm not really expressing myself. It feels kind of numb, like I don't have any emotions associated with what's going on. And it also has this flavor of not really being present. So uh, not being able to focus, not being able to look somebody in the eye because I'm distracted. Those are the ways that I don't love to feel but show up for me anyway when I'm in that polarity. So um, I think that makes sense. So the concept is, is that as we become more aware of who we really are, we then can also become more aware when we're really not being who we really are. It's, it's kind of like when we are more aware of who we really are, we're more aware that everything that we really want and desire and are looking for is actually already in our lives already. It's a process of uncovering more than anything else um, and, and realizing that just like the the book, The Alchemist, like the treasures that we're looking for, we're actually sitting on them. Um, they're right underneath of us all the time. And so it's, it's kind of a process of uncovering. Let's see. Okay, so we go through the process. We have our word. Um, and we know now what our soul's agenda is. Um, how do we then make use of this on a practical day-to-day -day basis? Great question. I love this question so much because if we don't have this question answered, the whole thing is like some silly magic trick that was fun. Yay, that was fun for half an hour and now I'm done. Um, so what you do is you begin to practice using your soul agenda statement to help you make decisions. And so for to, to use myself as another example, so when I'm trying to decide what to wear in the morning, I could say to myself, which outfit will help me feel most alive? And that is the one to wear. When I'm trying to figure out what to have for lunch, I would think what uh, lunch option helps me feel most alive? And I'm using some really simple examples because sometimes we think that these concepts have to be used for really huge decisions like should I leave my partner or should I change jobs and they can be 
But when I work with my clients, I work with using them for really simple decisions so it becomes a habit. So you use it all the time. Now, the reason that this, the, uh, the statement starts with me and then it extends to how I like to influence others, which is to inspire others to feel the same, is because sometimes it doesn't really matter. Sometimes our decisions for us, it's like, you know, do you want a, a Italian or American? Ah, I don't really care. But, you know, there's other people I'm going out to dinner with, so I might think, what helps them feel more alive? And I, again, I'm using food because I love food. It's easy for me to come up with food examples. But there are lots of times in our lives where we have a decision to make, and we're really not super attached to the, um, the outcome. Um, and or we're so filled up within ourselves, Steve, that we're making decisions based more on contribution than we are with with fulfillment because we are so fulfilled. We're coming from a real place of contribution a lot. So I feel like that in my own life. I feel like I'm a very, very fulfilled place in my life. And so because I am a lot of times when I'm making decisions throughout the day, like which podcast should I reach out to and which social media post should I put up? I am thinking to myself, what will help other people to feel more alive? And that helps me to then use my soul agenda as this decision-making compass. That's how you use it really practically. Okay, so of course people need to get the book, but um, a person who's just listened to this whole broadcast, um, what is something that they could take action on immediately from what they've learned from what we're talking about today? Well, one of the things I love for people to take action on immediately is, is this. When you feel something, allow yourself to feel it. When you're feeling guilty, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling upset about something, when you're feeling joyful, allow yourself to feel it. The number one way that I see people getting blocked in life and or trying to develop the soul's agenda is that they don't allow themselves to feel how they're actually feeling. There's a lot of hubbub about how... Um, terrible negative emotions can be, and they can be detrimental to our health when we let them linger. But if we don't allow them to, if we don't allow ourselves to feel how we're feeling, those emotions can actually get stuck and cause problems. So my number one tip to people is as you're walking through your day, allow yourself to start to pay attention. How am I feeling right now? And just let yourself feel whatever it is that you're feeling regardless of if you find your soul's agenda or not, that one tip is going to transform your life. So how do we keep from uh, letting them linger? You feel them. It sounds really simple. We like to make things difficult, but this is really simple. You feel a feeling, an emotion when it's coming up for you. And if you have to give yourself space to do it, you allow yourself space to do it and you feel it fully and completely. Emotions are only supposed to have about a 20 minute shelf life. So if we're feeling emotions after about 20 minutes, we're actually recreating them in our system, in our nervous system. So it's important to know that because when an emotion comes up for us and we can feel it and it washes through us, then it's, you know, moved on. So when it is repetitively coming back around, that has more to do with the fact that we weren't really feeling it? Is that... Yes, that's accurate. We don't allow ourselves to feel it when it's happening, and so it gets compartmentalized, and then we begin to uh, put it on a recreation cycle. So it's like it got stuck on a <laughs> – show my age a little bit. It's like the record that got stuck with a needle, and it just keeps playing and playing and playing and playing. 
Okay. That's interesting. All right. Yeah. That's fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'm thinking through, you know, stuff in my own life and I'm like, okay, so I guess maybe I'm not totally still clear on how do you really feel an emotion? I'll tell you what, Steve, it's so simple that most people have a really hard time comprehending what I'm saying. The next time something comes up for you, it could be in five minutes that you're frustrated that you weren't completely comprehending it. It could be uh, tomorrow when you have a conversation with somebody. Just pay more attention to your body and what's happening in your body and what's happening in your thoughts than you are what's happening in the external environment. And when you do that, you're going to be present with your own experience of that emotion. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Maybe yeah. I'm overthinking it because um, I have a tendency to overthink my own emotions. Too. Most people do. <laughs> Just being genuine here on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, um, any last uh, advice for the listeners? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you're listening to this and especially this last bit um, about emotions, like I just said to Steve, like, just pay attention to your body. Our body is right there giving us information all the time. And most people are pretty checked out because we're a super intellectual society. We're living in the age of technology. Your body is really trying to talk to you. So you know, listen, it's going to give you signs. It's going to tell you what to do. Mm, that's really good stuff. Ani, An Ani Anderson, her book, Find Your Soul's Agenda. The one word. I'm... Uh, I wish we had a whole 90 minute show because I want you to walk me through the whole thing. But <laughs> I know. I want to know what yours is, Steve. <laughs> you too. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you've got to get the book. I'm assuming it's available on Amazon. Yeah, it sure is. Amazon and Audible. Okay. And then people who would like to go deeper with you because, you know, they have to do a 90 minute session at least with you and find their word. Um, <laughs> how would a person, um, how would a person go deeper with you? The easiest way is just to find me on the internet at www.aniandersonandersson.com. And again, I really do encourage you to get the book. Ani, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. I took notes. Did you take notes? I have sitting right here on my computer. I actually took them while I was doing the interview to write my sole agenda statement. To be at a place where I can say, my sole agenda is to feel, fill in the blank, and to help others feel that same thing. That one word, I really love the concept that there is a word that means something to you. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean anything to anybody else because it's not their word. But your word is something that could really help revolutionize your inner game. Now, here's the part that I want to bring home here at the last couple of minutes of the show, and it's this. The reason why we want to be the best version of ourselves is because somebody needs us. You see, it's not about you. I mean, yes, I want you to live an amazing, incredible, wonderful, joyful life. But really, again, I want you to understand, it's not about you. It's not about who can amass the most stuff, who gets to laugh the most times, 
who has the quote-unquote perfect life. I mean, for one, we all know that as you get to know people with perfect lives that, um, you know, there's some ick underneath the very beautiful exterior. But more importantly than all of that, and I want good things for you, money in the bank, health, wealth, prosperity, abundance in every aspect of your mind, your body, and your spirit, so that you are going from glory to glory. But I want you to understand, it's not for you. The person who collects the most toys at the end of their life is not the winner. The winner is the person who embraces who they are and then takes all of that and pours it into the people that they were meant to serve. Because there are people that only you can reach. And if you don't, who's going to? Who's gonna share what you've learned if you refuse to share it? Nobody else really knows it and nobody else can tell your story like you can because nobody else has been you. Sure, maybe you're an insurance salesperson or maybe you're an accountant and maybe there are hundreds of thousands of other people that do the same job as you, but they're not you. They're not gonna tell your story. They don't have your why. And they are not the ones to speak the hope and the life into the people that you're meant to do that for. Now, I don't say this to lay a heavy burden on you and make you feel all bummed out. In fact, quite the opposite. I want the joy to come out in you because you realize that you are uniquely brilliant. There's nobody else like you. You were created purposefully with a purpose. And the world needs you. You being the fullest, most complete version of yourself. Share your message with the world. Do join us in Best Sellers Guild. Help us get your message out there. Not for you, but so that your joy can be complete because you have the ability to share what you've learned. Please know that Kathy and I are here to help you any way we can to live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this, what would being a best-selling author do for your business? 
Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.